When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for Analog Talk comes from the camera culture website casualphotofile.com. With in-depth reviews of interesting cameras and legacy lenses, film news and profiles, industry retrospectives, and a unique editorial perspective. If you're into cameras and photography, this is one of the best blogs around. See more at casualphotofile.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Chris. And today, our guest is Daniel Rodriguez. Say what's up, Daniel. What's up, everybody? (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Daniel. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm excited. Do you mind giving our listeners kind of a background on yourself and how you got into photography and that whole story? Yeah, sure. So it all kind of started in the early 2000s. Um, I started frequenting, you know, local punk and hardcore shows, um, what I still listen to and I was what I was really into back then, and just started saving my money and buying disposables. And Ooh, my parents nice. kind of took note of that and uh, eventually got me nothing special, but like a, a Canon point and shoot. Uh, which was later stolen when my house oh. was break- broken into. No. Yeah. <laughs> Bought it back on eBay, though, so that's always good. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, I just uh, started doing that, but took it a lot more seriously when I read a copy of Thrasher and saw the work of Glenn E. Friedman and Ooh, was like yeah. blown away because, okay. you know, he was shooting bands like Minor Threat and The Bad Brains and Black Flag. And, you know, I still love all those bands. So I was like, wow, I could take it a whole lot more uh, seriously once I kind of saw that instead of just for fun. Took it a lot more seriously after I graduated. Like I started playing with Lomography cameras. Um, and then I got really sick of that for a couple of years because I wanted a good lens. <laughs> I didn't want to shoot through a plastic lens mm-hmm. anymore. And uh, it's funny, like this is coming up on the anniversary in like 2008 where I bought a Nikon D90 and a Nikon N80, like the F100's little brother. And started, you know, shooting more and more. And here I am almost 10 years later and kind of doing that same thing still. So for for you, when you started, was it film, then digital, then more digital, then film? Or like how, what was the the genre there? So it was film to begin with, because that's all there was in, you know, 2001. (laughs) You know, um, when my uh, point and shoot camera got stolen, like the next year, my amazing parents bought me a little like Kodak digital point and shoot that was three megapixels. I was going to say, I had, I I think it was, I don't know if it was a Kodak, but it was like literally like one point something megapixels with the tiniest, tiniest screen. And I remember thinking like, digital's never going to be anything. Look at this. Like, what did I know? (laughs) Yeah, it it was nuts because I got that like Kodak three megapixel Easy Share, but then I was also on the high uh, on the high school yearbook staff because we we didn't have a photography class, so that was the next best thing. 
So cool. my teacher would hand me bricks of Kodak Gold 200 and be like, <gasps> go crush the football game or go like crush the pep rally or whatever. Oh, so I was man. kind of doing so both. Jealous. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like weird, like old school hybrid shooting, but um, I bounced back and forth. But um, yeah, it was mainly film, just like whatever I can get from like Walgreens or like Long's Drugstore that I started with. But it like, yeah, it wasn't until like 2007, 2008 that I started actually like expanding like, oh, Portra 160, like Fuji uh, Riala, RIP, my favorite color film. Oh, no. <laughs> Rest gone. in peace. Yeah. Man, that's, that's pretty cool, though, that you didn't, you know, you really didn't. I, I hate. <laughs> Here we go. I got to yeah. leave my little disclaimer again <laughs> that I, I'm not knocking digital, but it's pretty cool that you didn't kind of go down that gear centric road of digital you know like i i got completely obsessed and wrapped up with it and had so many digital cameras i can't even count it's just cool to hear that you're pretty much like a purist throughout this whole thing and that's that's pretty uh uncommon i guess because a lot of people it's so cheap and digital was such a fat well it, it is yeah. so easy you know yeah I don't, <laughs> like it's dead here we go r.i.p digital but <laughs> it's no. just it's just good to hear that you you know you you've always been on this train of things i mean it also had a lot to do just with what i had access to i mean like i'm getting free yeah. bricks of film at school mm-hmm. You know, they had digital cameras at school also, but they weren't anything special. And I certainly didn't have, you know, the money at, you know, 14, 15, 16 to, you know, just cop a whole digital kit. But even when I started getting into digital world um, after the fact, like around 2007, 2008, everything just seemed like a big contest. You know, people would kind of look down their nose like, oh, like cool kit lens like noob i'm like mm-hmm. why are you guys oh, acting man. like a bunch of jocks like it was i don't know it's uh-huh. just really weird it, it man you nailed it with that <laughs> <laughs> it's so true because like i hate to admit it but like i was one of those guys i was just like man nice 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 soccer mom camera dude you know like it's oh i hated that i'm so glad i got away from that like oh the tough guy stuff from from the whole digital world but i mean that's that's all you see on the internet too you know what i mean like all the digital people are just like five year that five-year-old 70 to 200 it doesn't even have image stabilization mm-hmm. you know and it's just like what who cares it still oh, takes great pictures five continuous frames per second keep up yeah cool, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, cool. i can't high roll um, hard enough at you i know Jeez, man I, i'm super jealous of the whole I like Chris said I wish I wish I would have done that in school like kind of the yearbook crew mm-hmm. I was I was way too cool in school to do that I I'm surprised I even took a photography class but that's cool that's cool that they had that going on so Daniel when you first got into shooting what was the the subject matter um it was mainly just shows like back then and even a couple of years ago I, I haven't done this in a while but I used to book a lot of just like punk and hardcore shows like wherever you know, we could find a place to put them on at. So, like, I remember the first show that I booked was a big deal. It was a lot of bands from outside of the city. So, I decided to take pictures. And then, like, the next week afterwards at school, everybody was so psyched. And they were like, oh, dude, where's those pictures? Where's the pictures from the yeah. show? <laughs> so, like, pre-social media, actually, like, yeah. physically, like, oh, I'll get doubles and I'll, you know, share them mm-hmm. with you. And, like, nothing has compared to that initial high of like, oh, you got photos of the show? Let me see. And then, you know, pass yeah, them we around like, at lunch. We were lunch. Like, the, the, like the cool kids, because that's kind of how, how I got started <laughs> in photography, too. Um, my boyfriend was in, my boyfriend at the time was in 
a metal band. So I photographed his band and all the bands that were at the shows. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I transitioned from like shooting the shows to like doing actual like promotional stuff, which kind of led into all the rest of my career essentially. Um, but yeah, I remember, I remember those days of people being like, Oh, you got those pictures and I'm getting the doubles and like passing them out. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's such a funny concept to think back now. Like, you would ask for doubles and, like, or, like, (laughs) kids would, you know, like, get a disposable camera, like, and take it on a family vacation and get doubles and then cut the photos out and, like, collage it. Yeah. It's mind blowing now because, like, dude, that's so much money now. Like, why would you ruin the photo? Like, that was my whole binder (laughs) in high school was, like, all cut up collage photos. We would have been such good friends in high school. (laughs) (laughs) See, it's it's crazy hearing that side of things because, like, I didn't take photos then. Like, I played in bands and, like, did shows and all that stuff. And I remember hunting you guys down mm-hmm. and being like, make sure I get a copy of that. Like, we you know, we document and keep a like a scrapbook of every show that we can get copies of those pictures of and stuff, man. It was just like thank God for you guys being around back then because, man yeah. those memories would be gone. I had like, I had like a little GeoCities website with like all Shout the out to GeoCities. <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. crispyphoto.geocities.com or something like that and like that's where all like my promotional band stuff was. I haven't thought about nice. that in a long time. <laughs> I threw it up. If you want to really go back on social media, I threw it up on GeoCities. I threw it up on Zanga. I Dang. threw it up on LiveJournal. <laughs> Yo, LiveJournal, yep. All those. Dang. Those were the days, man. Didn't you have to have a friend? I never, I never did live, live journals. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember. I just, I, it was a big deal though, like to have a live journal in our little scene back home. I kind of hated live journal because that's where you would find all the dirt about everybody or like who's talking <laughs> oh. smack. And I like could never hand like who's talking what did they say like i don't know myspace was messier because they had that anonymous truth box oh yeah <laughs> that's where i got oh, man, i forgot about that <laughs> i forgot about that man myspace was awesome i reached out to a lot of bands so- for work through myspace it was oh, yeah. that and like pure volume do you remember that website yeah. dude volume. all my yeah. friends demos were on pure volume yeah. and they had my photos mm-hmm. on them yeah mine too and like one of those couple times it made like the main page like my photos made the main and i thought i was famous (laughs) (laughs) dude you you were at that time yeah it's crazy (laughs) nuts do you still shoot the same kind of stuff? I mean, we want to talk to you about your zines as well because you thank you so much for sending us copies yeah, of your zines because they were. Oh yeah, man, for sure. I was blown away by by that stuff. So obviously, I know you're still shooting b- bands today. How's that going for you? Is it it's different good. now that you that you're you know older and do people still want the images like they did back then? Definitely, they they, they definitely do. Um, I, still shooting shows. Um, the work has severely improved. You know, I've got a shoebox that I was looking through of old show photos and flyers and stuff. And I'm like, oh man, I kind of cringe at the old stuff. Uh-huh. But um, yeah. yeah, still doing it. Um, I really was scared to shoot shows once I started to get more serious about photography and bought myself a DSLR because um, I was just afraid of something, you know, bad happening to the gear. So there was a good period where I just kind of developed my eye with stuff other than show photos but um yeah just friday night 
I was out at a, at a show at a bar to shoot a couple bands that were on tour. Um, I knew one of the dudes in one band and one on the headliner I hadn't seen before, but, uh, it's challenging still. Uh, they had a pretty serious fog machine that ruined all the oh. visibility in the room. Uh. You know what? Like digital cameras, like can't, they can't, I don't know, have compute, I guess it's red light with fog. It's like mm-hmm. turns your photos into mush. It's like, no, my worst nightmare. Well, I was shooting Tri-X at 1600 and so I always sure shoot my flash handheld with a with a sync cable and all oh, the photos nice. just looked like like I hadn't developed them properly like something oh, went bad yeah. or it looks just like yeah, bad okay. film so I'm just like alright mm-hmm. fog machines are my worst enemy yeah they're pretty terrible but yeah still doing show stuff I guess my stuff outside of shooting shows and concerts you can kind of fit in a category of street photography I don't really consider myself that but um uh, like I was saying, when I was in high school doing yearbook stuff, my yearbook teacher was like, hey, take these roles and, you know, somebody else is covering the football game. So get student life pictures, just get candid yeah. shots of kids at school. And he really pushed me to like, don't do a post shot, just get mm-hmm. something natural. And it wasn't until I was in college that that style kind of clicked. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like street photography. So it's yeah. a lot of photos of like my friends or my family or what, what I see or what, you know, what kind of goes on, I guess, beyond shows. Cause there's always that other side of the coin of somebody's work, you know, yeah. like you might be a combat photographer, but you might also really like to take pictures of newborn babies. Who knows? That's, that's very true. And I think <laughs> when you sent us to two, the two zines, they were both very different. And I remember the one yeah. that, I mean, I had appreciate, I have an appreciation for the music stuff. Cause that's what I used to do too. But the one that wasn't, it was like gorgeous. I loved all well, that thank stuff. You. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that specifically was a, was a really interesting uh, and almost difficult project for me to do. But um, my, di- my dad's from Mexico and, you know, my, my mom born here, but parents are from Mexico as well. So, like, kind of growing up and being caught in between the whole, like, am I American? Am I Mexican? Like, right. uh, it, yeah. am I punk? Am I metal? Am I <laughs> into this? Am I into that? Do I, like you know, painting, do I like drawing better? Um, it was really cathartic as an adult to go back to Mexico and shoot the area that he came from, from his perspective and, uh, and not to try to like force like a Dorothea Lang angle to it (laughs) just to do like, Hey, this is everyday life. This is how we experienced it. How weird would it have been if I grew up here instead of in the United States? So it was therapeutic in a sense. Oh, that's amazing. What um what film stock do you use for, for most of that stuff? The majority of it is Ektar. Yeah. That's my it was very mm. vibrant and the colors are really rich. I was like Yeah. That's yeah. my baby. That's my baby. Um, that's your favorite? <laughs> yeah. Um it took me three years to finish that zine because the first year that I went I took portrait because I wanted to shoot a faster film. And I know that that's your favorite, mm-hmm. um, but I'd never really shot it before. And when I got it back, I just was not pleased with the results. Everything felt really flat. Everything felt really muted. And that didn't felt that didn't feel like how I saw yeah. um, the environment there. So I went back with like 20 rolls of Ektar the next year and then another 20 rolls the year after and then just got it all done. It's so nice. funny because like different parts of the world, like Wendy... That Ektar is her baby too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, places like Hawaii and Mexico where it's like so colorful, like Ektar, like Color, that's yeah. the way to go, it seems. That's so cool. Yeah. And it's all to do with the environment. Like how she was saying, it all depends on feeding it as much light as mm-hmm. you can. Cause that's what's really going to make Ektar pop. You know, you shoot 
um, portrait on a cloudy day and you're going to have a bad role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, at least for my taste, you know, some people might like that kind of milky colors and tones and everything. That's just blah to me. I agree. I feel like uh, I'm starting to realize that now because I've been sneaking in, like I'll shoot about two or three rolls of black and white and then I'll, I'll throw, I got a five pack of portrait 400 just because we talk about it so much i should probably know Mm -hmm. you know what it's about on here and i mean i've shot it a bunch of times beforehand but shooting it now you know just like you said a cloudy day and color film especially you know portrait 400 i feel like it gets this like this like uh, it's not magenta it's like a like a maroon almost undertone to everything and it's so muddy and and just yucky Mm -hmm. definitely not what what i envision it to look like when i so like i i think that's why i prefer ektar a lot more over the portrait for the stuff that i do too because i'm not so much i could see that in like a portrait setting or shooting weddings or you know but like i i would have to under or not underexpose it i would have to you know shoot it a stop under or something like that just so to make sure that because I feel like it just gets so muddy and nasty if it's if it's the slightest bit underexposed. There's this like magenta, not magenta. I don't know why I keep saying mm-hmm. magenta. It's like a like a burgundy or like a I, I don't know. It's just a weird color, and I've noticed it more and more and more through the photos. Because I always shoot about a stop under with black and white. So that's how I'm used to. That's yeah, how I see portrait, it when I got, shoot. You got a push portrait. You got to yeah. You got to shoot it like two two stops. Above. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I experimented with pushing Ektar to 400, but yeah, you yeah. gotta make sure to shoot it on on a bright day, like because your shadow detail will just kind of go right in the garbage. Mm-hmm. But really? play okay. around with that. Play around with with uh, Ektar at 400, and you'll be surprised. It looks really, really? good. Okay. Yeah, it's been good, a while since I've shot Ektar. Actually, I just finished a roll today. <laughs> it's been liar. a minute liar um yeah it's, it's the the color roll i shot at the kodak camera oh, club the, oh, the photo walk. Yeah, yeah 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 so it's it was at the beach so I, we shot some sunset stuff so i'm excited to see how that turned out you're gonna love it honestly you're gonna love it i'm excited i always i always liked ektar though because i did a. Uh, I had about a half a roll left in one of my cameras. The last, like the last portrait session I did, I had a buddy that was like, Hey, I have an album coming out real soon. Is there any way you can do a couple shots for me around town? And I was like, Hell yeah, this will be fun. And I was like, well, We got out and I was like, Oh no, there's a roll of Ektar in here. <laughs> I was like, Well, we'll, we'll figure it, we'll figure it out. We'll just run these through and then, you know, I'll go to black. Cause he wanted black and white and I wasn't going to do any color because that's not what I do. Yeah. And man, I'll tell you that half a roll or some of my, favorite mm-hmm. like portraits I've ever taken and they're just so Ektar is such a crazy film it's like so bright and so weird you know like it's definitely up my alley of of interest and I don't know it's just wild I wish I could enjoy portrait more because I I just bought like a $65 box of 4x5 portrait film so I, I need to to learn how to shoot it yeah soon shoot it over I don't wanna, overexpose it I don't want to mess that box shoot, up shoot it two stops over and you'll be much happier okay yeah that's what i was thinking because i mean it anytime it's underexposed i'm just so bummed out about yeah. it i don't know i've nailed the exposure with it and hated it mm-hmm. even with ektar sometimes ektar has a sweet spot and if you yeah. don't nail it quite right you'll probably get bummed out and even for portraits i've gotten a lot of feedback they're like why do your portraits look like there's like everybody's blushing almost because mm-hmm. ektar yeah. kind of gives brings out a lot of the reds and i'm like oh, well that's 
that's how it looks. Like, well, why don't you edit it? I'm like, because that's how it looks. Like, that's <laughs> what I want. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I did notice that. It can go either like super green or super magenta or super like pink almost. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like that too. So Same. That's way better than burgundy, you know, than <laughs> <laughs> how the portrait's been looking. So, Daniel, have you been working on any uh, zines or projects recently you could talk about? Uh, yeah, I'm hoping to have it done by the uh, by the end of the fall ish of this year but um three years ago okay yeah coming up on three years ago i got a fuji class s because i've been in the market for a point and shoot that i didn't have to worry about you know i like i i found a big mini at uh, goodwill fell in love with it Um, (laughs) i've had a lot of little point and shoots that i constantly kind of trade up for and i was doing a lot of research on getting a premium one i was going to get a contax t2 read about a bunch of rumors about uh the electronics just kind of like going bad in them and dying out Mm -hmm. and so when i read about the fuji class they were like hey these are made in 2007 they've got pretty new electronics in them I think Burt's has one of those. Who? Burt's from Compact Camera Club. I'm pretty sure that's what he has. He right? does. I think he's got like the the Rolly version or, okay. or something like that. But um, I was doing a lot of research on this and the god Mike Padua mm-hmm. did a review <laughs> video on this. And I was like, shout okay, it's got the seal of approval. So shout out mm-hmm. to Mike for real. I met him at Beers and Cameras. He's the nicest dude. I love Mike Padua. Man, he was the one that was like, he's like, you got to get Daniel on the show. And we're like, heck Yeah. <laughs> Seal of approval once again from him. Yeah. Yeah. Got some fans out there. Did you spend a lot of money, if you don't mind me asking, Daniel? Um, yeah. And yeah. this is, might make Tim cringe, but uh, I sold my record collection. <gasps> oh, no. That's gonna, so it's funny because I'm like low key trying to start a record collection. So. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. I mean, yeah. I didn't sell it because I didn't enjoy it anymore. I was just, I was moving and I was like, you know what? It'd be nice to move and not have any debt. So I'll just sell this entire like Ikea expedite full of old records oh, that I've man. collected. And I got a good good amount of money for all of them. Um, but the Fuji class sent me back. Um, I got it from Japan for about like 375 380 And they've like doubled, almost tripled in price Insane. since three years ago. But um yeah the I'm still speechless about the record collection right now. I'm just Yeah, RIP my record collection, all my old like converge records and stuff like those are oh, all Oh dude, I I it's funny that you say that because I have a my best friend, like my childhood friend growing up, I kind of let him hold my, you know, my premium record collection, all my Converge and Reversal of Man and, you know, all those amazing records that you will never get again, like original pressings, like crazy, you know, marble colored vinyl. And like, he just took them one day and was just like, they're mine now. And I'm like, oh, really? Well, now I have to break your legs. (laughs) Yeah. Wait till I see you again, Joel, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm sorry, I kind of went off track. But yeah, the the whole reason I bring up the Fuji class is because uh, that's what um, the new zine is going to kind of be on is just all the photos I've shot with the Fuji class because I don't always want to take my 35 millimeter SLR with me. And this camera is such a workhorse. I I love the Fuji class. I've never seen it in black. I can. Oh, it looks so pretty. It's so pretty. Like, I'm a little sad because, like, a little bit of the paint on the back film door oh, is, like, no. scratching off. Uh, 
But um, yeah, it's all going to be stuff I shot with the Fuji class. Um, a lot of the stuff that I shot kind of on the road, going to, going to LA. I was lucky enough to go and spend some time with some friends of mine playing some shows um, up the West Coast, up to San Francisco. So like there's some stuff from that in it. But I'm in this sorting process right now. Like I'm going to be making prints of all the photos, laying everything out, and then getting in touch with my printer and, and, uh, and getting 50 copies made. So Hopefully by the end of fall. Can I ask you, where did you get yours printed? Because I kind of love that it was like... Yeah, it had a sleeve to it and stuff. Yeah, like it was was like the presentation was really great. Oh, um, there's this local print shop down here in San Diego. Um, They've they've got the most reasonable printing prices that I've seen anywhere. Um, They're called Print Star Now, and they did the booklet. Uh, The covers were done by a different company, uh, MGX Copy. I feel like most mm. people know about them if they're going to get mm. uh, zines done or saddle stitch books done. Um, but they had cheaper prices just on single, single color copies. So I did the covers with MGX and the booklet with Print Star Now. They've done, they've printed all my zines uh, that I've done professionally. Like I'll do Xerox copies, like just kind of as giveaways. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Print Star Now. If you're uh, if you're in San Diego and you're a shooter and you wanna you want a zine, they do free shipping or like free pickup in san diego um anywhere else i think you might be out of luck but uh <laughs> if you uh, tim or chris maybe need to help with the zine then you let me know and i, I got you yeah because i was like thinking Definitely. you know i don't know like how long to wait in between or like you know when part two or whatever project i want to do next mm-hmm. but i really liked the aesthetic of yours that it was like not just like a like a book you know it was like you know like i said the presentation so I'm probably going to pick your brain in the future, I feel. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Regarding the presentation, um, like going to all those like punk shows and stuff ever since I was a teenager, like you would find zines, not about art, but like about whether you want to call it radical politics or like, hey, here's why you should be vegan or hey, here's why, you know, feminism is important. Here's why gender equality is important. There's a lot more information or knowledge that can be shared in it. And um, that's kind of why I decided to make that zine about something, not just, hey, here's some pictures yeah. that you could, you know, just get from Instagram. I wanted to have it say something. Not to say that somebody's average zine won't, but I, I felt that it was important that it had, like, some solid, like, definite meaning. Yeah. Man, see, I wish, uh, I wish so bad that there were more people, like-minded people like that around this area. I, I always say that, and I'm sure there are, but it, it's really hard to, to you know, when you see something like your zine or Chris, even your zine, there's just so much inspiration inspiration coming from those sides of things that you don't think of when you're putting together your own book. And I'm starting to work on, the, I'm laying out something that I shot two years ago that I've been kind of stuck at the whole body of work's done, but I've just been stuck at the layout and I started to go on to whatever it's called, like book, book writer, book smart for blurb. Mm -hmm. And every time, you know, that little like barcode down at the bottom, it drives me crazy. And the fact that you have to pay blurb to get their logo taken off the back of your book Mm-hmm. Like you have to pay a premium so they don't brand your book, right. you know. And it's just it's crazy that, and, and but it's the easiest way to do it, other than going to Staples and doing like a black and white, you know, where it's you can get five copies and it doesn't cost you seven hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it's real easy to do those 
like blurbs and the the you know the little local place like staples and stuff like that it, it's it, uh, it's such a bummer like i wish there was like a buddy around here that i could it's like you know it's like trading baseball cards yeah. like trading yeah. zines and photo book ideas and because you know i grew up in the same kind of scene or whatever is you too you know like where it was i my best friend he used to make all these crazy like radical political vegan you know artsy awesome little zine books and stuff and i edit every time i start laying stuff out i get kind of stuck in that area where i'm just like uh i want it to be kind of handmade and cool but my printer sucks so like (laughs) what you know like it's just nuts like i need a i need a teammate maybe i need to move to california maybe that's what needs to happen (laughs) maybe I'll, i'll tell you this though like um I would be more than happy to help you with, with something like yeah, that. Yeah. Cause like when I was starting to figure all this stuff out for myself, like I didn't start printing zines until I want to say like four or five years ago, but mm-hmm. I would see, you know, that blurb had that premium charge. I'm like, well, this is dumb. And ever mm-hmm. since I was yeah. a kid, I would always think, well, you got to figure out how to do it yourself. No one else is really mm-hmm. going to show you. Like if you want it, go out and get it. Um, so I just, said, okay, I need to figure out a way to get Microsoft Publisher. I need to figure out how to, you know, convert things and merge PDFs and do all this stuff. I need to find a printer. Like I had to do a lot of the legwork and I'm happy to share it with people. Like I don't want anybody to struggle to get their art put out into the world. That's so cool. Yeah. It shouldn't have to be that way. You shouldn't have to pay a premium just for a company to admit something. And I think that's, that's kind of dumb. It is crazy. It's crazy. Because I was just battling with that the other night. I I keep getting so discouraged putting this book together. I'm like, I don't want another blurb logo on my book. Like, they they didn't do anything with this other than hit print at their company, you know? Yeah. I I don't know. But I also don't want to pay, like, $500 to get it printed, you know? Well, you may not. I mean, uh, uh, the beginning of last year, I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm going to open up, like, a publishing collective things so i could try to help people get their stuff out but and i've so yeah. far i've helped my friends coffee shop get some zines out we've done two so far but uh haven't gotten oh, any cool. feedback or help from any photographers that want to get their own zine so honestly if you want to team up on this tim like we yeah, can man. take yeah. them up on that we should do something <laughs> we can make this happen i think collaborations yeah. is like part of the inspiration process too like even like you like sending your zines like i want to start like collecting people's zines because like even just like looking through somebody else's work sometimes or like, you know, their personal project will, you know, kickstart your, yours. Yeah. I encourage everybody to follow the, uh, the hashtag on Instagram zine report. Cause Ooh, you'll, you'll find oh, some stuff yeah. that you'll never have ever thought of existed. Zine report. Man. Okay. That's going to, I'm sure I'm going to be sucked in there for a couple of hours tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's wild, though, because I, I, I feel the same way, Chris. Like, every time I get, you know, I'm fortunate enough, you're fortunate enough, we're fortunate enough to, like, you know, with the listeners and stuff of this show, we get sent a lot of awesome stuff. And I I have an awesome little pile going on next to my desk that is always just, like, so much fun to look through and be like, wow, like, great idea, mm-hmm. like, great sequencing, great, you know. I, I just love that stuff. I, I need to buy more zines. I really do. Same. I need to really support support it more now i'm all gung-ho <laughs> yeah or put out a split zine i've always loved the idea when bands put out like a split yeah. record you know do a split zine you and chris oh like oh <gasps> yeah Ooh. that would be awesome that would be, <laughs> that would be really cool i did that i i was doing this uh 
when I first started doing photography here, I, I was putting out a a little zine. I still have them floating around here somewhere. I did four of them. They were just the first two were pictures like that I did. You know, they were just a way for me to get my work out and to be seen. And then I started doing like a split. Like I would do it with an artist or mm-hmm. another oh, that's photographer. A great idea. Do I, I should send you those, Chris? I would yeah. like you to see those because they they the way they flow were really cool. Like I did one with a. Uh, Oh, she was like a clothing fashion designer and it was just really crazy. She put her sketches in there. She was like, I don't care. Use my sketches. I was like, hell yeah. All right. I'm using them. <gasps> That's and such a it cool was just idea. Neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, uh, yeah, it was fun. I just need to stop being lazy. I think it all comes down to just being lazy <laughs> <laughs> for me, for me personally. That, that can get hard, especially when, you know, when you get home from like me staring at a computer screen at work, like the last thing I want to mm-hmm. do is go home and stare at a computer screen. But like, that's why just even making the four by sixes and, you know, taping them on your wall is so much better and more productive and healthier, I guess, than sitting in a chair and just going click, click. Yeah. No, that was yeah. not going to work. Click. Yeah. I think with, with like, you know, the drag and drop templates too, sometimes put stuff that will fit versus like what actually flows, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's better to, like, spread it out and really visualize it first before you just kind of start importing. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of had to learn that the hard way. Like, before I found a way to get my hands on a legit copy of Microsoft Publisher, like, I used this free, like, shareware um, publishing software, and I had to, like, draw the rulers, like, draw the boxes, and then, like... Like, oh, man, it was so bad, like, making, like, my first, like, Xerox zines and giving those away. But, oh, man, like, once you go through the ringer and then you figure out the easier ways, like, I will not accept drag and drop. Like, I need to have yeah, my hands, that's, like, that's how, um, in the yeah. process. Nick Exposed, he, he makes his own templates. He doesn't, he doesn't yeah, drag yeah, and drop. Yeah, he does. He, he has a really good zine series. Like, I, I, I learned a lot from the stuff that he was doing, especially with finding local printers and stuff like that, too. You know, it's just drag and drop is so so boring it's just like you said it's not you're not really like fulfilling the story you're just kind of like well this picture of this guy looks pretty cool they're looking at each other so yeah, it's yeah. pretty neat i'll do that you know it's that's how i did my first book zine thing it, it was uh like the homespun book I, i'm so bummed that i could have seen coincidence that so much better if i would have just taken the time to print out the images mm-hmm. and actually put them together yeah it's a learning so, curve, you know, like I now have, oh yeah. you know, all the templates saved where I know where all my rulers are. So I know where to mm-hmm. drop the image once it's done, but I still have to go through the physical process. I'm not going to forego that in the same way that I'm going to not just drop my rolls off out of lab. I need to make sure they get done right. So I got to develop, <laughs> yeah. them. you know, I got to, I got to involve myself somehow or else I will go crazy. <laughs> Do you ever print in, print in the dark room? Daniel? No, I I did when I was going to community college. I don't yeah. have uh, yeah, I don't have really the space to have a um, a projector and, and an enlarger and everything. I would love to. Um, I have been known to sneak into community colleges and make darkroom prints for art shows, <laughs> but that nice. stays between us and the listeners. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I know we've been we've been talking about it recently on on the show, and I've been like like dreaming of the one day that I'll be like be able to build my own dark room. I even have like a Pinterest board now. It's like a dark room ideas, and it's just like all pictures of other people's <laughs> dark rooms. Because I'm like someday I'll get back into it. My coworker showed me this stuff where if uh, if you have a window in your bathroom, it's like this really crazy thick like uh, almost like a tarp that's adhesive that you could put on it that seals the light out. Oh, so you could no kidding. potentially do it in a bathroom, 
but uh, look on Craigslist, you know, try to find an enlarger. And yeah, which was crazy because I my my I did have a makeshift dark room when I first got into this stuff. It was under my parents' ba- like stairs in our basement, like on the little like little room under the stairs. You know, my dad like duct taped <laughs> like all the like you put rags and duct tape over all the holes where all the light came in and like I had a little dark room and I had the trays and I'd have to like run upstairs to rinse them off and so it could be done I really don't have any excuses I've done it once although apartments in LA are pretty tiny but if you can do it (laughs) if you do it under the stairs in your parents' basement, you can do it in your bathroom. So you could do it anywhere. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Man, I was fortunate enough to have a bathroom without a window in our last apartment, and that's I had an awesome little setup where I'd just bring the little enlarger in, set up the trays in the bathtub, and do it that way. But I don't have that option. We only have one bathroom now too, so it's like I'm not gonna put her through <laughs> that. Put the girlfriend through yeah. that again. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if my parents still have that enlarger. I bet they do. Hmm. Man, you need to get on that. I know. Yeah, seriously. Like, I mean, if my- you, you got the means, you got the tools to do it. Like, what's stopping you? Hey, I'm already psyched. Like- you're do- already developing your own film. Like, yeah, the, I I could just hear my parents. I'm like, can you like ship that to me? My parents were like, what? <laughs> you know how much that's gonna cost? <laughs> seriously. It's so crazy though. Like now you can find that stuff so cheap, yeah, Chris. If you I know, just I like know. look I've, for it, I've been it, like looking. Or- um, I was actually looking today and I, you know, I just was like, let me just look. And it was like 75 bucks for a a larger. And I was like, let me not Mm. go down this right now because I've got a lot on my plate right now. But it's nice to know that it's there for when I am ready, you know. I keep keep wanting to gut the one side of my closet because I don't even, you know, I'm so minimal when it comes to clothing. I have like two pairs of jeans, my work shirts and like my three black t-shirts that I wear (laughs) on like non-working days. And it's like, why am I not ripping one side of my closet open to do this it's uh why am i not why am i not doing it i don't know <laughs> there's always a good we'll reason not to do something yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's just there's nothing like it you know especially if you're <clears throat> like personal projects like if you take it from start to finish like you're making the print at the end like oh man there's nothing better we, than that we feeling. were just talking about this last week with um travis, travis and you know his his whole setup and is like super jealous of that we'll get there we'll all have our own dark room someday oh for sure yeah. maybe even a community dark room or something like yeah everybody could share there's like some out here in la i'm probably gonna hit up pretty soon it'd be a good thing to even put on my youtube channel maybe yeah heck yeah that would be so fun we have one in nashville too and i, I remember reading the stipulations of the nashville dark room and there was something about it that was that was really weird to me like they were doing like like personal background checks or something like that and i was like that's really weird for a dark room like why i I don't think i can i mean not that i you know have anything to hide it's not that it's just like why why do you need to do a background check (laughs) on me so i can print some eight by tens like that's a little weird hey man there's always like the one guy in the photo class who's printing some questionable prints in there so like (laughs) Mm -hmm. you never know you're right you're right (laughs) too funny no it's okay it's tasteful it's art. Yeah, it, it's yeah, art. It's art. <laughs> it is. It's art. Man, yeah, I think we should all just start community darkrooms. It sucks. Like, the college right next door was going to open up a darkroom for their students, and then they sold the college to another school. I was just like, what? <laughs> I could taste it. Yeah. I could taste it. It was that close. 
my local community college, like they, they cut the days down on when they do wet lab, um, more and more, I think like every year, just because of the amount of like hazardous quote unquote hazardous materials and like, uh, resources that, that it takes. And that's understandable, but, um, yeah, this is kind of a bummer. It is a bummer. On that note. (laughs) All right, guys, we'll be right back with our listener interactions after a quick word from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk also comes from Polaroid Originals. Go to PolaroidOriginals.com and use the offer code ANALOGTALK10 at checkout to receive 10% off your next purchase. All right, guys, this is the part of the show where we take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Louis Demo on Instagram. His question is, when you're stuck in a rut, is there something that helps you push through it? I think it's a pretty good question because I feel like we've all recently been in ruts. Definitely. Um, I don't know. Honestly, like I don't I don't know that I have an answer. <laughs> um, I find that the best way to not be in a rut anymore is to keep going. I, I know that answer maybe sounds just like a cop out, but it's not get like the, the way that I, I guess that I look at it is it's, it's not going to get harder than it already has been. Like I've already, yeah. you know, made progress and I'm happy with what I'm shooting and what I'm creating so far. Like you just got to keep going. Like you don't, you don't make any, any progress if you, you know, stop pedaling. So you just got to keep plugging away and keep at it. Um, I always maybe even try to do something a little different, you know, I'll, um, instead of shooting with my flash, you know, handheld on a cord, maybe I'll try to throw it up, you know, put one flash, you know, one part of the venue and one flash somewhere else kind of change the light dynamics a little bit. Um, but just challenge yourself and just don't give up. Like you don't gain anything from giving up or stopping. It's not worth it. Man, I agree completely. It's it's always that, you know, moving forward, kind of going in the in the next right direction kind of thing. Even if it's just like taking a sidestep, like you said, and kind of doing something different or because I mean, I, I was going through a period just recently where I because I, I take the same walk to work every day. And for some reason, I use that as my excuse that I'm making photos like every day, like I'm doing my part for art and for photography by shooting every day but i'm taking pictures of the same Mm -hmm. stuff every day and it's it's i've been called out for it online through people on my youtube saying that you know you do the same thing all the time on your youtube channel and and i at first i was getting frustrated and being like man you don't know what you're talking about you're a jerk Mm -hmm. like and then i was like oh my god no i'm shooting the same thing like all the time and i mean there's there's kind of there's two sides to that there's like that's good you're like honing your craft you're you know shooting the same subject from different angles and and kind of you know working the scene and stuff like that but literally i mean i could go through my Flickr that are that's pretty much like all my newer stuff on Flickr is all private because i'm I, i'm not sharing anything unless i unless i want to mm-hmm. like I, I used to just throw it all up there all the time but you know i i kind of I, I'm trying to do something different and I'm trying to challenge myself to shoot differently and, and to take more risks with it. Cause I mean, there is no better reward than like actually making photos that you like, you know, and that actually feel good to you and to that's tell a story. And, you know, um, man, we, we were talking about this, Chris, before we all hopped on the, the hangouts about Matt. Matt Day is like taking kind of a step back from his YouTube channel to focus on family and stuff like that. And 
I had started to write him a comment back on his Instagram about it yesterday, being like, kind of we touched the subject with Travis last week, you know, when Kodak announced P3200, the first thing that popped in my mind was I need to buy three rolls of that, one I'm shooting at box speed, one I'm doing, and it was like all for everyone but me, you know, like I kind of lost touch of why I was doing this and it and it really bummed me out I was really bummed out for the last like two months because mm-hmm. I really felt like I was doing this for everyone but myself and I wasn't really shooting much and now that I took a step back from like YouTube and my other podcast and Instagram and all that stuff and shooting for everyone else like I am shooting way more photos now I'm being completely different with my photos I'm taking risks with my photos like I'm actually you know, asking people, I've shot two portrait sessions, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I'm just doing stuff again. And I don't know, it's it's real easy to be caught in a rut and or just I think we get in those ruts because we're not really doing it for ourselves or something. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that was just my reason or I think it's, I it, it's social media is so demanding. these Yeah, days. I think it's, it's important, like when you're in a rut to to do what to you can to like kind of you know, claw your way out of it versus like just stewing and sitting in it. Um, for me, like I just reached out to somebody who I really want to photograph who's like, I won't go into that, but like, I just, you know, having the courage to be like, I want to work with you. Like, this is what I have done in the past. Like, if you're interested, let me know. And they wrote back and we're like, yeah, your work's great. We'd love to to work with you. So now I have this whole new like project that I'm going to do. And it's because like, you know, when we're in these ruts to like have the courage to be like, what can I do to move forward? And the, that, the key to that is to push through it, whether you try a different film stock, whether you shoot a different style, whether it be instant instead of film or, you know, work with people you want to work with. Just like being conscious of it and saying like, OK, what can I do to stay inspired? I think that helps. If I could add to my answer, um, kind of piggybacking off of what you said, Chris, like um, I end up kind of looking back at the zines that I've got from other people or even some of my photo books like I uh uh, a couple of months ago, I got a copy of Mary Ellen Marks uh, Ward 81 or the, the Women of Ward 81. I don't know if either of you are familiar with it, but she did this series on women that were put in um, like a mental facility. Yeah. I think in like oh, the yeah. 60s or something. And it's probably one of the more striking things I've I've ever seen of, of anybody's work. Um, and, and you could just rem- like look at this stuff and see it there's so much more than what's in my bubble. There's so much right. more than what I'm familiar with. And part of it kind of motivates me to try to want to do something different. Even if I end up, you know, over the weekend still shooting, you know, bands playing live, like that's cool. That's fine. But it kind of pushes me more towards, well, wait a minute. Why don't I start documenting my family? Like mm-hmm. my sister's about to have another kid. Like how many pictures of my parents do I have? Like it kind of just helps shift your perspective just that much more to point your lens somewhere else yeah yeah it's very true i like that that was a great question yeah that was good thanks louis for that one yeah got me all fired up (laughs) (laughs) that's the key staying fired up i think the one thing though that we forget is what we fell in love with in the first place of the thing you know of like shooting photos and making photos it's it's really hard to get wrapped up even in the film world, in gear and what other people think, 
And I'm sh- I'm sure it's like that way for other artists too, like painters and musicians. Mm-hmm. Like we all must get you know writer's block or whatever else. Like staring at a blank canvas and being like, I don't know. What- Maybe do I am I even getting good at this? Like sometimes I feel like you know I go through the phases where I look at my work and I hate it all, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like I don't know. We're tortured. <laughs> that happens to me so often. Like a a couple months ago, I went to see one of Ed Templeton's stuff, uh, the Hairdos oh, and Defiance. God, he's, mm-hmm. he's again God as far as I'm concerned. He's right up there <laughs> I, with like dude, he's he's my favorite. Yeah. Oh man. Same. Not to make you jealous, but like I've I've gone to his stuff before, and I went to one of his book signings with him and his wife. They signed some books, and they were like, cool. "Hey, you should come to the next thing." And I'm like, "Okay, definitely." And I went to his next showing, the Hairdos of Defiance, and goes, "Oh, what's up, dude? I remember you." And I'm like, "Oh, uh, oh, you remember yeah. me? Yeah. Oh, a good day, sir." That's the best. But yeah, but um, dude, I I want him on the show so bad. Oh my god, if if he could fit it in his schedule, oh. Uh, I'm yeah. sure he would. He just doesn't quit. You know, he remembers what yeah. he loves and he just keeps doing it, whether it's, you know, guys skateboarding or, you know, people looking weird on the pier. Like he, he stays in his lane. <laughs> he knows that he's good at it um, and he never gives up. And that's that's been a big motivation to me. Like I might not always be psyched. I'll see Ed Templeton stuff and I'll just want to throw all of my work away because I feel like I'll never be as good as him. <laughs> um, but I just kind of keep plugging away at the band photography stuff and like a band will hit me up like, hey, can we use a photo to put on the back of our shirt? Or like, hey, like, oh, can yeah. we use it for the inside of our tape? And like recently, um, my friend's band has some portraits I did of them, which I almost never do. I don't really like portraits, but they're portraits in their new LP that they just put out. And another band had my record, my picture on the back of their seven inch record on the sleeve. Oh, cool. nice. yeah. So like it pays off. Like, so just mm-hmm. don't give up. Even if you think all your photos are trash, like Picasso didn't start off an awesome dude. He struggled for years. So it's true. Perseverance pays off. Yeah, 100%. So, Daniel, here's here's uh, our favorite question that we Hit have me. to ask you. <laughs> Inquiring listeners want to know, if you had to choose one camera for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? I have an answer. I've thought about this. <laughs> Is it your new little baby you just got? No, it's not. I've had okay. this camera for a while, but it might be surprising. Um, I would pick my fuji gw 690 the 6x9 the the texas leica um and just to keep things simple i would just shoot tri-x at 1600 that that camera is my probably i would i would i guess i would say my favorite um i don't find it as bulky to shoot with as people might think it would be and to me it's not cumbersome maybe it's because i have big hands Mm -hmm. but um I love that thing. I love everything about it. I got, I never was really comfortable on a rangefinder until I used that thing. Um, I mean, my, my primary workhorse is my Nikon N80 for shows, my Fuji class, if I'm just kind of having fun going around town, but the lens on that Fuji six by nine camera is just magic. Mm. It makes everything look amazing. Um, I kind of stopped for a while, but I've been doing a portrait project with it. Um, I'm going to be picking that up hopefully again soon kind of like I was saying earlier, like, man, I need to shoot like portraits of my parents. Like I need to shoot portraits of my brother and sister. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to have those done 
you know, for the record. So I'm, I'm going to be using that probably a whole lot more this summer. I've been, I've been waiting for, for summer to kind of start back up with that thing. Nice. I've been eyeballing those for, for a little while now. I want, I want a compact medium format camera. Is it, do they really call it the Texas? (laughs) Dude, I can grab it right now if you want to see it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. One second. All right. Apologies. Oh Oh, yeah. This is it. It's as big as my head. And it's kind of cool because it's got this built-in lens hood and all the controls. Oh, okay. I don't know if you could see it. They're right here kind of on the lens barrel. You got your shutter speed and aperture. Yeah, yeah. And no light meter, just a huge, huge rangefinder. It is Man. gnarly. Man. There's so many cameras I still want to shoot with. I just love that it's 6 by 9 I have an old folding camera that's 6 by 9 that I just love that size. It's... You know, six by seven's kind of like a stumpy rectangle, but yeah. the six by nine's like it, it's it's a really nice size. It's a good size. I'll tell you what, I had a uh, no. I was just going to ask. It, that's a fixed lens, right? They're not like interchangeable. That's right. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's a fixed lens, and I for years I shot a, a Fuji, uh, the GA six four five, the the mm-hmm. big like six four five point and shoot camera, pretty much. Um, yeah. And I yeah. just recently sold it for tattoo money because I. I just fell out of love with that camera, but I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of that one because I prefer the six by nine aspect ratio. Like six by four by five seems weird. Six by seven seems weirder to me. I know a lot of people like it. It's not my thing. You know, I would probably get really bored with it, but I like that aspect ratio is like perfect. And like I said, the lens on that thing is just like bonkers. Mm. Mm. Nothing better than that. <laughs> yeah. Man, there was one on the, the Facebook group for a while, but the guy was in like, I don't know, he was like in another country or something, but it was like such a good price. It was like 400 bucks or Woo! something like that. Yeah, that's about right. That's about what I got mine for. Yeah. That's not terrible. I'll get one someday. Yeah. No, that's not bad yeah. at all. It's completely reasonable. Like for, for what this camera produces, it's more than reasonable. Definitely. I agree. Great answer. Dude, good choice. Yeah, great yeah, answer. Good choice. <laughs> Another another new camera. I, I love when it's it's not you know something we've heard a million times already. My Leica, my Leica M six. No fair. <laughs> Speaking of new cameras, I just got this thing through the Facebook group. It's a Ricoh R one. Oh, nice! And it's got this panoramic mode where it, it masks off the thirty five millimeter, mm. but it also puts mm-hmm. in a twenty millimeter lens below behind it. Oh, so oh. it shoots wide panoramic, but there's a hack where you can kind of jam the uh, the masks so it just turns into a 20 millimeter lens. Oh, and I've been shooting okay. with this a lot lately. And um, I recently had a death in the family last month. I had to, had to fly to Mexico for a couple of days and took this with me uh-huh. and like shot the grieving process with this. And I'm pretty excited. It's uh, really noisy because it's kind of old, but um, Rico <laughs> R1, you can get this for like 150 worth it good to know yeah i was looking into rico's man i i just i would buy every single camera if i could seriously love i love it so much so much that's what's so rad about like camera meetups like beers and cameras you're like oh wow never seen that thing before Mm -hmm. would you mind if i got my hands on it no here oh yeah yeah it's pretty cool we need a chapter in nashville yeah i was gonna say yeah i'm gonna come i'm gonna try and come down this summer to a a one in san diego and hang out with everybody for sure if you do you know let me know i'll see you there and Tim, you gotta figure out. I, I think know. it should be you to do the the Nashville chapter. That would be awesome. Yes. If you're listening, Juan. If you're- <laughs> <laughs> 
I will gladly. Well, Daniel, thanks for joining us. This has been an awesome, awesome episode. I'm so glad we got to chat with you. Yeah, thank you. Again, big fan of the show. Happy to be on. Hopefully, I didn't sound as nervous as I think I do. So, no, this is yeah. awesome. <laughs> no, this is great. You sounded great, man. Where can everybody check out your work and stuff? Where can they check out online? So, I primarily post on Instagram. Um, my photo account is dxr.photo. Um, I've got a personal one. So, if you want to see me acting goofy and posting pictures <laughs> of like incredible <laughs> eat, vegan food that I eat, it's deepxrest. And I'm on Twitter like spilling random thoughts at DXR photo. Uh, finally, seems like a lot, but my website is negativedensity.com. Um, I've got Ooh. some of my series stuff on there, like the stuff from Mexico, if anybody wants to check it out, yeah. is up there. Um, a bunch of live stuff is up there and a bunch of just like my random street stuff is up there too. Can they purchase your zines on your website? Um, yes. Uh, the zine that will be eventually coming out will be sold there, but cool. all my older zines are sold out. I might. Oh. I, I've been contemplating releasing one of my uh, my grieving process zine that I made uh, last month on Analog Talk, like exclusive. So maybe I'll post that in the Facebook Ooh. group. Oh, that'd be cool. Nice. Yeah, awesome. But that's where you could find me. Timothy, what about you? All right, guys, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Timothy Makeups. I also make YouTube videos. You can go to youtube.com slash Timothy Makeups Ditzler. Sorry for typing so many letters there. <laughs> um, you can find, I do like a little We Believe in Film podcast. It's just me kind of ranting and rambling. I haven't done that in a little while, but I do have one coming out this week. So you'll be able to hear that. Am I anywhere else? I don't think so. No, Chris, where are you at? I'm Crispy Photo on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, Crispy shoots film for my film photography on Instagram. We are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter, Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram. We have a Facebook page you can like and a group you can join. And <laughs> that's it for me and us. Yay. All right, Daniel, thanks again for joining us. This was, again, this was so cool to chat with you. We appreciate Thank you so it. much. I really appreciate this. A lot of fun. Cool. All right, everybody, we'll see you in the next one. See Bye. Ya. All right, first off, I want to thank Daniel Rodriguez for being on the show. Thanks for nerding out with us. Guys, head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. Any little bit helps. You can donate $1, $5, $10, $25. We have a bunch of different tiers over there. You can get stickers. You can get pins. We're going to be doing live group hangouts with Patreons only. We do this for you guys, so any little bit from you helps. And thanks to all the Patreons and all the support already. Don't forget to also head over to Polaroid Originals. Use the 10% off discount code and get yourself some film. We will see you in the next one later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.